0: Every day between now and November, the American people are going to know that the only reason the border is not secure is Donald Trump and his MAGA Republican friends. This is not possible to believe that a thing like this could happen. Uh, You already have. You don't need a bill. I had the safest border in the history of our country. We had no bill. I just said, close the border. It's closed. Then I went to Mexico. I negotiated with Mexico. They gave us 28,000 troops. They gave us a lot of other things, stay in Mexico, remain, we called it remain in Mexico, they gave us that. This bill doesn't have anything about remain in Mexico. This bill is impossible to believe that somebody actually negotiated, and he's a very nice guy, James is a very nice guy. But this is not a good thing for him. An upset for Nikki Haley in Nevada last night, losing the primary to no one. Almost 63 percent of Republican primary voters selected none of these candidates instead of selecting Haley, her campaign tra- team trying to soften the blow. Watch.
1: We have not spent a dime nor an ounce of energy on Nevada. We made the decision early on that we were not going to pay $55,000 to a Trump entity that You know, to participate in a process that was rigged
0: for Trump. Former President Trump's name was not on the Nevada primary ballot. Instead, he will take part in the caucuses tomorrow.
2: There you go. Lots uh, to wrap our minds around. You can see from the first two bits in that cold open uh, that we're going to be we are going to be warring over the truth. This uh, these next nine months. And you also see just from that that last bit, the Nevada primary, they didn't want to put any money into it because, uh, well, they spent tens of millions in New Hampshire and Iowa to lose there. So nothing goes to the Nevada primary, and Nikki Haley ends, she ends up losing to none of the above. You're listening to Stephen Fleury, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. As I say, we have uh, quite a lot to get to. Uh, A little bit of housekeeping here at the start. We had some trouble posting this show to the Trumpet.com website yesterday. We're still struggling with that uh, to some degree. But if you want to watch yesterday's show or any of the previous shows, you can get to to that over at the Rumble channel as well. Just go to Rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily. You can watch it live as well at TrumpetDaily.com or at the Rumble channel. And you can, of course, leave us some feedback or email the show if you like, trumpet.com. So, <laughs> the, uh, the war over the truth regarding the invasion at the southern border. The fake president says there that from now to November, everyone's going to know. Everyone's going to know that it's Donald Trump and those MAGA Republicans that are responsible for the invasion. Just just think about this for a moment. I mean, this is going to be... They are all about the narrative. They are all about creating false narratives and spreading that disinformation. But this one, how hard is this going to be to sell the American people on the fact that it's Donald Trump's fault? He's been out of office for more than three years. In fact, the Democrats controlled from 2021 to the midterms they controlled the presidency the white house they controlled the senate and they controlled the house it it wasn't until just a year ago that republicans got control of the house so so what happened in those two years where five six seven million illegals just poured across the border Well, the answer to that, of course, is nothing. Nothing happened. Because that's the dear leader's policy. And that's why all those executive actions were happening (laughs) right away, as soon as the fake president was installed. Forget about remaining in Mexico. Never mind help from uh, Mexico's uh, military. None of that, as Trump just noted there. Just open the borders and let everyone in. And they're coming in from all over the world. It's going to be a little bit difficult to when you when you pretended that there was no crisis for two years, for three years, actually. And now all of a sudden there's a crisis, but it's Trump's fault. (laughs) This uh, impeachment over Mayorkas that didn't go through. Thanks to some rhino Republicans, some weak Republicans. There's plenty of them to go around but I don't know if that, that's necessarily the end of the story. Steve Scalise wasn't. I, I don't think he was in town. So he'll be back next week, uh, and they voted. They had one guy vote to make sure that it wasn't a tie because that would have basically ended the matter. Uh, who knows about all these loopholes? But anyway, one guy switched his vote at the end so that they could go ahead and take the defeat and then hopefully bring it back again next week. So I don't know if Mayorkas is out of the hot water just yet. One of the, the rhinos, though, that voted uh, against impeaching him, this was a, in an op-ed. It, he talked about how that Alejandro Mayorkas has done a horrible job. This is, uh, I think his name is Mike Gallagher. He's a Republican from Wisconsin. Gallagher was one of three Republicans to vote against the bill, which ultimately caused it to fail. And then it quotes Gallagher from his op-ed, in, uh, I think, the Wall Street Journal. Mayorkas' performance has been a disgrace, but I disagree with my Republican colleagues who voted on Tuesday to impeach Mayorkas. Impeachment not only would fail to resolve Mr. Biden's border crisis, but would also set a dangerous new precedent that would be used against future Republican administrations. We don't want to set a dangerous new precedent, you know, impeaching people for for a border invasion look at what they impeached Donald Trump for a phone call look at they're trying to put him in prison for moving boxes and this guy's worried about setting a new low so weak no no backbone no spine whatsoever we'll see what happens as it plays out next week but as i as i mentioned either yesterday or the day before i mean this calendar year already you've got quite a few victories for Donald Trump, the bad orange man, you saw them both in the cold open. Do You think Americans are going to believe the fake president or what Donald Trump said there? He's just referring to his own track record. He's actually got four years of experience as the chief executive in the Oval Office. And he came in, as he said there, and he said, close the border. And they did. They did. Border security did do that. <laughs> so then, then in Nevada... You talk about another victory for Trump. People going to this primary, which doesn't mean anything as far as delegates are concerned. That's tomorrow in the caucus. But still, people go to this primary and they make a statement to vote for none of the above, none of the candidates that are on there, including Nikki Haley. So she gets beat 60 to 30, or I think it was 62 and 32%. Then yesterday, too, you hear news of uh, Ronna McDaniel, she's stepping down as the, the, she's Mitt Romney's niece. She's heading up the Republican committee. She's out of the way. Ted Cruz was in a press conference saying that, you know, we need to move on in the Senate from Mitch McConnell. These represent quite a few stunning victories. Who could have imagined this even, you know, 10, 12 months ago? When we were hearing Donald Trump's finished, he's responsible for the House not getting more seats. And now look, so many of these establishment types, they're just falling by the wayside. MAGA has taken over the Republican Party. That's what's happening. They put forward this disastrous Senate legislation to basically legalize the invasion. And it just falls on its face within hours of being released. And now they're all backpedaling, including McConnell, including Lankford, all of them. Lankford, as I said yesterday, he may vote against his own bill. I think it was Steve Bannon the other day. He said to his audience, uh, are you getting tired of the, the victories? Are you getting tired of winning? It's just one victory. After another, this is from PJ Media, (laughs) Nikki Haley, losing to none of the above. It says here, the writing is on, you've heard of the the writing is on the wall and the fat lady is singing. It says Nikki Haley is far beyond those euphemisms. Haley is at the point where a two by four has smacked her upside the head and a loud, annoying voice is telling her to quit now. Uh, when she can still show her face in public. Haley garnered 30% of the Nevada primary vote. She out Tim Scott and Mike Pence, neither of whom are still in the race. But none of these candidates received 62.9%. <laughs> almost 63% for none of these candidates. People are, I mean, they're making their views known at the ballot box. And, of course, the Democrats, they're not stupid. They can see what's coming, which, which is why they've got to try to remove Donald Trump from the ballot. Well, here's a case where Trump wasn't on the ballot. And so people said, all right, I'm still going to go vote. I'll just choose none of the above, none of the, the candidates on this ballot. <coughs> it says here, none of the candidates received 63%, marking the third time in Nevada history that none of these candidates came away with a win. I guess it's happened a couple of times before. So she's staying in. You know, Sununu, sta- she, he said he, she's still the one. And, uh, and what did Bill Maher say in response? Listen, let's not debate stupid. The, it's going to be Donald Trump. Let, let's deal with reality. But that's just the problem. There's so many in the establishment that deal in fantasy, fantasy land. They are ha- quite happy to spread disinformation. It's a war over the truth. Look at how up in arms the establishment is. The, the regime media over Tucker Carlson going to Russia. Tucker's risked his life. And yeah, he's going to be sitting down with a, with the chief propagandist, Vladimir Putin. It'll be interesting to see what Putin has to say. But two seconds ago, all of these people in the regime stephanopoulos katie couric i mean if they got if they got the sit down with with a terrorist a tyrant a killer a a, a serial killer well they were seen as as bold and brave well this is just what reporters do right and then as soon as tucker does it oh tucker he's gonna spread propaganda how dare tucker's a traitor for tucker to do it then it's it's obviously treason. <laughs> Tucker's basically forced all these outlets, these media outlets to admit that, hey, we've tried to get a sit down with Putin as well. Okay, well then, Tucker gets it and now he's all of a sudden Hitler? You listen to them. Ann Applebaum, she tweeted out, many journalists have interviewed Putin. She works at the New York Times, I believe. Many journalists have interviewed Putin, who also makes frequent, widely uh, covered speeches, Tucker Carlson's interview is different because he's not a journalist. He's a propagandist. Okay, Ann, whatever you say, whatever the New York Times says, whatever, whatever the morning meltdown says, they're up in arms because he, he's getting the interview. And, and they, they've got the Russia narrative firmly established None of them need to talk to Putin. They know, and, and again, Putin is a tyrant. He's a dictator. He's ruthless. I mean, they actually had a, they actually had an insurrection attempt not that long ago, you know, and a real one, not the fake one like we had on January 6th. And Putin squashed that in a second. You don't rise up against Vladimir Putin, not in his Russia. <laughs> But, but the reaction of the regime media, it's, it's so revealing. These people want to control the flow of information. They don't want anyone else to get in the way. No wonder. We talked about this at the Trumpet a month or two ago. Nearly three in ten Americans, either they trust the, the press, not very much, or none at all. Four in 10 had a none at all response. I do not trust George Stephanopoulos. I don't trust them. I do not trust Joe Scarborough. More and more people are uh, concluding that. I mean, you look at the leaders, you see those polls of people that they don't trust the politicians. Their approval rating is like below double digits. They don't trust the media. Who can you believe in this disinformation war that we're in we had an article this is from July of 2022 at the trumpet if you don't have a subscription to the trumpet magazine call our operators today the 800 number is 18669303024 but a couple years ago we wrote democrats socialists communists and other leftists have targeted free speech for years the progressive, socialist, communist side of the war fundamentally rejects the Constitution, the right to free speech, and the beliefs about God that ultimately underpin the entire concept of inalienable, inalienable rights. They don't believe in it, in the first place. It says radical leftists don't want uh, may the best facts win debate. They don't want a debate. They don't want you to hear what Tucker has to say. And, you know, Tucker's an isolationist and he's he's for he's for America first. I'm not sure how strong his support is for Donald Trump specifically. But he certainly comes with a different opinion than than so many of the others in the regime. And they hate it. Do you think the dear leader wants Tucker's voice to be amplified? No, they want to squash his voice. Fox fired him to try to silence him. Fox, that's right, Fox News, their number one rated broadcaster. And then you, you get Ann Applebaum saying he's not even a journalist. No, no, she is. It says here, radical leftists don't want a may the, facts, may the best facts win debate. Like everything else in our society, they want to use information as a weapon. They want their opponents silenced. We're getting a good look of just how far the radical left is willing to go to maintain its hold on power. They have to lie. They lie. They lie about the border. They lie about inflation. They lie about Donald Trump. They lie about January 6th. They lie about the impeachment of Donald Trump. The phone call, what was said on the phone call. Look at how they they wanted to prevent the, 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 the transcript of that from being released. And Trump said, "Look, put it out there. I'm not <laughs> I'm nothing to apologize for here." And then they and then they impeach him for the fake insurrection. And then they don't want any of the footage to be released. These people. The uh, more recent article, that was the Post Truth World by Andrew Miller from the January 2024 issue, the first issue of this year. It says, "White House press briefing has Reporters bringing up dismal facts about the American economy and immigration disaster or foreign policy embarrassment and government officials insisting that everything it is doing is extraordinarily successful and wildly popular. (laughs) If they bring up, they bring the receipts, they bring the facts. Peter Ducey, he says, uh, you know, look, the fake president. Uh, he brought up uh, that he had a recent conversation with a French president that died in 1996. Uh, and, and yet you're going after Donald Trump's mental acuity. Is, is, is that right? They got no response. <laughs> no response. The, the French lady just walks out the room. Oh, I'm not going to answer. I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole. Come on. I mean, if, if Biden makes a mistake, it's just a mistake. What's the big deal? If Trump. If Trump says Nikki Haley instead of Nancy Pelosi, he's he's cuckoo. He's lost it. He's not fit to be president. Trump's calling on Biden to debate him, by the way. How how do you think that that would go? It probably will never happen. He Van Jones says, hey, just stay in the basement this time around again, actually stay in the basement this time around. This article, Andrew Miller's, it says, the sudden explosion in AI-generated text and imagery is exacerbating this growing and pervasive skepticism. Alternative facts, blatant lies, disinformation, fake news, misinformation and propaganda of all sorts swirl around us. The truth is under attack. The erosion of public trust is the inevitable, justifiable result. So people don't trust these news outlets because they, they know they're not defending and upholding the truth. The truth is under attack. The truth is coming under fire. My father gave a message over the, the weekend talking about the Dear Leader, uh, a speech Barack Obama gave at Stanford a couple years ago, it's from April of 2022. And you know, he, in this speech, he, he was talking about just how important it is. You read between the lines and he was talking about how, how important it is to control, to control information, to regulate information. And of course he's speaking of track records. He's got a bit of a track record himself. Blotting out Donald Trump or blotting out the New York Post or blotting out Hunter's Laptop. They're good at this. You can see why. Their heads exploded when Elon Musk bought Twitter. It's the same, way, it's the same thing that's happening when uh, Tucker goes to, to the Kremlin. Their heads explode. They, cannot, they, ca- they simply cannot allow an alternative opinion to see the light of day. You've got to squash it. You've got to blot it out. Listen to some of this address. This is from Barack Obama uh, two years ago at uh, Stanford, clip one.
1: Autocrats and aspiring strongmen have become emboldened around the globe. They're actively subverting democracy. They're undermining hard-won human rights. They're ignoring international law. Worse yet, democratic backsliding isn't restricted to distant lands. Right here in the United States of America, we just saw a sitting president deny the clear results of an election and help incite a violent insurrection at the nation's capital.
2: Trump being a threat to democracy, he denied the results of the election He led an insurrection. This man, this man you see on the split screen here, he's the author of so many of these lies, of so much of this deception. He has an understanding, just like your Bible says, he has an understanding of dark sentences. Oh yes, they are skilled liars. They've been lying for their whole career. Certainly the dear leader, He said at Stanford, notice how he puts Putin right in together with anybody that would dare support Donald Trump. And so you know that that's how they're going to frame this thing with Tucker. Just leave aside whatever whatever propaganda that Putin may spew out there in his sit down with Tucker. They're going to tell you that Tucker is a Russian agent. It'll spring right out of the Trump Russia collusion hoax. These people, they still believe they still they still promote that lie. Listen to uh, clip five people like Putin.
1: And Steve Bannon, for that matter. Understand it's not necessary for people to believe this information in order to weaken democratic institutions. You just have to flood a country's public square with enough Raw sewage. You just have to raise enough questions, spread enough dirt, plant enough conspiracy theorizing that citizens no longer know what to believe. Once they lose trust in their leaders, in mainstream media, in political institutions, in each other, In the possibility of truth, the game's won. And as Putin discovered leading up to the 2016 election, our own social media platforms are well designed to support such a mission, such a project. Russians could study and manipulate patterns in the engagement ranking system on a Facebook or a YouTube. And as a result, Russian state-sponsored trolls could almost guarantee that whatever disinformation they put out there would reach millions of Americans. And that the more inflammatory the story, the quicker it spread.
2: Uh, Hopefully you can uh, can put up with the pregnant pauses, because we've got quite a few clips from the dear leader. (laughs) But in the same speech where he said Trump was a threat to democracy because he denied the clear results of the election... He says that the results of 2016 were fraudulent because of Putin. So he's an election denier, 2016, and then going on and on about Trump. How dare Trump deny the clear results of the 2020 election? You know, the one where they sent 100 million mail-in ballots all over the country, and we're harvesting millions and millions and millions of Biden voters, even while Biden was campaigning from the basement. How dare Donald Trump question those results? The, the mere fact that he would do so shows that he's a threat to democracy. Listen again to the Dear Leader from 2022, clip six.
1: Now, I've been writing my uh, memoirs lately, including reflections on events leading up to that election. The regrets I have, the things I might have missed. No one in my administration was surprised that Russia was attempting to meddle in our election. It had been doing that for years. Or that it was using social media in these efforts. Before the election, I directed our top intelligence officials to expose those efforts to the press and to the public. What does still nag at me, though, was my failure to fully appreciate at the time just how susceptible we had become to lies and conspiracy theories. Despite having spent years being a target of disinformation myself.
2: <laughs> he's, he's the expert. You know what you think of when you listen to him talk about what is truth and what are lies? You think about uh, 2 Thessalonians 2. Well, you obviously think about the Antiochus prophecy there in Daniel 8, Daniel 11, but also the man of sin in, in 2 Thessalonians 2, where he, he sees him. He doesn't say he's God, but he sees himself as a godlike figure. He knows, this man knows exactly what is truth, exactly what is disinformation. What are Russian lies? Just, just what we're seeing here, too. Another, another one that comes to mind. Will worship. Worshipping your own opinions. In the post-truth world. Andrew wrote, What happens when the historic gate, gatekeepers of truth are exposed as peddlers of lies? It says the concept of truth is being replaced by your truth. And my truth, as if truth itself is fictional, past generations viewed God as the beginning of truth and morality. Surveys now suggest a majority of United States citizens believe truth is relative to circumstances. Truth is changing. Truth is relative. You've got to consider the the environment. You've got to consider the circumstances. You've You've got to consider the source, the people involved. I mean, Tucker's a propagandist. So nothing good can come out from an interview with Putin. Nothing. That's the baseline, right? Tucker is evil. Trump is evil. How dare he question the clear results? And then in the same speech, there's Barack Obama questioning the clear results of 2016. Because he's God. Listen to this. I mean, you... You, you want to hear a diabolical lie. Here's the dear leader going on about how important his truth is. Clip 11. You know, in the early
1: days of the Internet and social media, there was a certain joy in finding new ways to connect and organize and stay informed. There was so much promise. I know I was there. And right now, just like politics itself, just like our public lives, social media has a grimness to it. We're so fatalistic about the steady stream of bile and vitriol that's on there. But it doesn't have to be that way. This is an opportunity. It's a chance that we should welcome for governments to take on a big important problem and prove that democracy and innovation can coexist. It's a chance for companies to do the right thing. It's a chance for journalists and their supporters to figure out how do we adapt old institutions and those core values that made those institutions valuable, how do we adapt that to a new age? It is a chance for all of us to fight for truth. Not absolute truth. Not a fixed truth, but But to to, to fight for what deep down we know is is more true, is right. It's a chance for us to do that, not just because we're afraid of what will happen if we don't, but because we're hopeful about what can happen if we do. You know, over the last couple of months, we've seen what it looks like. When a society loses the ability to distinguish truth from fiction.
2: Yeah, you heard that right. He actually said this is this is about a fight for truth, not absolute truth. Not not fixed truth, but something that you know deep in your heart of hearts is more true. It's more true than absolute truth. That is exactly the way the devil reasons. He he wants you to swallow every line of his truth. He comes and speaks as an angel of light. Maybe even with some nice pregnant pauses in between. And it sounds so good. It's like I said yesterday. It's not even just that, that, that our people tolerate these kinds of leaders, we love them. We worship them. We swoon before them. So many in the regime media, they still, still do. Barack Obama has never been vetted. You look at his track record. You look at how he squashed dissent. You look at how he went after whistleblowers or leakers. You couldn't do that during Obama's years. That was reserved for Trump. Then, I mean, then all of those leakers, uh, (laughs) Vendeman, caramella all of them, they were just trying to get the truth out there that Donald Trump was a tyrant. And there was the dear leader unleashing the fully weaponized DOJ, the intelligence community. They came up with that bogus, yeah, Russia not only meddled, they helped Trump win. It was Putin and Trump that pulled it off in 2016. They have no evidence of any of that happening. None. But they they are there to tell you which election was rigged, which one was perfect, who's who's the dictator, who's the threat to democracy, and of course, who are the proponents of democracy in this Post-Truth World article. It says, when businessmen, journalists, politicians, politicians, And scientists can get away with such blatant lying. It shows that society is on the verge of collapse. This is is where we are in this disinformation warfare. It really shows that society is on the verge of total collapse. It says here, in other words, truth is known to and revealed by the creator. It says, when humans reject this truth... They form and worship their own opinions, often calling them truth. It says, when this thinking becomes entrenched, they stop caring about the difference between true and false, and society enters a post-truth period like the one America and the rest of the world are now in. This is where we are, a post-truth world. The dear leader says it's a fight for for truth, not absolute truth, not, not fixed truth. No, there's no absolute truth at all. Everything's changing. You know, we're progressing. We're moving forward. We're evolving. So just trust me. Trust my opinions. Just know that I'll tell you the truth. I never lie. The dear leaders even said words to that effect over the years. He never lies, they never, they never lie on the morning meltdown, it's always, always in their minds, I mean, what they're there is to, is to tell the truth. They're there for that reason alone, to give you the truth. Listen, you, again, you read between the lines of this address, sometimes you don't even have to read between the lines, but you can see why regulation is so important to these communists, they want to control the flow of information. Listen to clip eight. I'm pretty close to a First Amendment absolutist.
1: I believe that in most instances, the answer to bad speech is good speech. I believe that the free, robust, sometimes antagonistic exchange of ideas produces better outcomes and a healthier society. That said, the First Amendment is a check on the power of the state. It doesn't apply to private companies like Facebook or Twitter any more than it applies to editorial decisions made by the New York Times or Fox News. Never has. Social media companies already make choices about what is or is not allowed on their platforms and how that content appears both explicitly through content moderation and implicitly through algorithms.
2: Doesn't it sound great? He's, he's pretty much a First Amendment uh, absolutist. Almost. Almost. But, but not quite. The, a little bit of regulation, a little bit of government control over the flow of information, particularly through social media, that's important. That's necessary. This is why the Obamas got on the phone the day after the fake insurrection. And called the social media giants and said, hey, you've got to blot him out, Donald Trump. You've got to to lock his Twitter account. You've got to delete him from Facebook. That's the kind of control that the devil wants. Total control. Who has a voice? Who doesn't have a voice? He's pretty much a First Amendment absolutist. But, yeah, that's right. Wait for the transition. But that said yada 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 there you go we've got to have regulations we've got to have rules and regulations in place we've got to have some say so and what's allowed what's allowed in uh in talk media or in those circles in the conversation listen again to obama from 2022 clip 10. now here in the
1: united states we have a long history of regulating new technologies in the name of public safety from cars and airplanes to prescription drugs to appliances. And while companies initially always complain that the rules are going to stifle in innovation and destroy the industry, the truth is, is that a good regulatory environment usually ends up spurring innovation because it raises the bar
2: on safety and quality. Yeah, the more regulations, the more, the more growth, the more innovation there will be. So let's just control speech. Let's make sure that we control the conversation, the narrative. It's always bigger government. It's always more control. I I mentioned this story briefly last week. It's at Politico, inside Biden's secret surveillance court. At an undetermined date, in an undisclosed location, the Biden administration began operating a secretive new court to protect Europeans' privacy rights under U.S. law. There's some, there's, there's some things about this story that are even hard to understand, but just listen to a few of the, uh, the alarm bells, if you will. Officially known as the Data Protection Review Court, It it was authorized in October 2022 by an executive order to fix a collision of European and American law that had been blocking the lucrative flow of consumer data between American and European companies for three years. It says the court's eight judges were named last November, including former U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder. I'm, I'm sure nothing could go bad with that kind of an appointment. There's Obama's wingman. These these people, they won't go away. And and they love them some regulation. Here is Obama's secret surveillance court. I mean, that's Politico's headline, not my commentary. A secret surveillance court. What's the name of it? (laughs) The name is the Data Protection Review Court. We're just trying to protect data. No, they're trying to control information. Obama said as much at Stanford. For all the world to see, listen again to his address from April 2022, clip two.
1: And that's why I'm here today on Stanford's campus in the heart of Silicon Valley, where so much of the digital revolution began. Because I'm convinced that right now, one of the biggest impediments to doing all of this Indeed, one of the biggest reasons for democracy's weakening is the profound change that's taken place in how we communicate
2: and consume information. So he's right in step with Silicon Valley because how we consume and distribute information, I mean, the, the, the threat here to democracy. He's going to save democracy. Sitting in the temple, seeing himself as God. That's what it says about the man of sin over in Th- Second Thessalonians 2. Listen uh, now listen to clip 3.
1: I might never have been elected president if it hadn't been for websites like, and I'm dating myself, MySpace, <laughs> Meetup, and Facebook that allowed an army of young volunteers to organize, raise money, spread our message. That's what elected me. And since then, We've all witnessed the ways that activists use social media platforms to register dissent and shine a light on injustice and mobilize people
2: on issues like climate change and racial justice. So in this way, I mean, social media has been great. It helped him get elected. His grassroots movement brought on by social media giants at that time. I mean, it got him into office and it's also made us so much more aware of climate change and some of these radical left wing causes. But if it's the opposition's viewpoint, now that's something we've got to regulate. We've got to keep control of it. This is from uh, an article we had at the Trumpet Magazine. It's February 2017. So this would have been just a, a couple months after Donald Trump stole the election with Vladimir Putin's help. Just to play along with the, uh, the narrative there that the dear leader gave at Stanford. Jeremiah Jacques writes here, rather than striving to discover the truth and object, uh, objectively report it, most mainstream media outlets wanted to sell their preferred narrative to win. This has been a problem that's been going on for years. It's just that Obama took it to another level of deceit and lies. It says to win others over to believing it and to suppress opponents uh, into feeling like the hopelessly uh, righteously outnumbered bigoted minority. It says after the election upset, this is 2016, and after issuing a flaccid non-apology apology, the New York Times editorial board deflected blame for their biased coverage, saying a solution to the problem would be to censor non-mainstream news sources and online platforms that disseminate their stories. So there was a little, just a a hint of contrition following 2016 because these people, they were so anti-Trump and it was so blatantly obvious in their coverage that some of them came out and said, you know what, maybe we could. After Trump won, they came out and said, well, maybe we could have been a, a little less biased in our reporting. But listen, we had to be. Because there's all these alternative sources now that are spewing disinformation. It says here a big, a big part of, well, it went and said, most of the fake news stories are produced by uh, scammers looking to make a quick buck. The, the vast majority of them take far-right positions. See, the New York Times, they're just like an Applebaum tweeting today. Well, yeah, the rest of us, we want to get over there and talk to Putin because we're real reporters, but Tucker can't do it. He's a propagandist. It's, a, it's disinformation warfare for sure. It says here, President Obama echoed these sentiments, the, the New York Times sentiments. If we are not serious about facts And what's true and what's not and particularly in an age of social media when so many people are getting their information in sound bites and off their phones if we can't discriminate between serious arguments and propaganda then we have problems that's obama back in 2017 and at the trumpet we said here finally perhaps the most worrying aspect of the current fake news hype is the chance it gives to mainstream institutions who yearn for the days when their opinions went nearly unchallenged to harness it as a means of muzzling not just scammers trying to make a buck, but also their credible competitors who simply have a different viewpoint. This, the, the, the push to control the information flow, this is what motivates the dear leader, to clamp down on some of these outlets on social media like he did in 2021. They were up to that in uh, 2017, as was brought out at the trumpet. This more recent article, The Post-Truth World, this is from January of this, uh, this year, it says, rebelling against God's word and his word can cause a person to lose the ability to think rationally, giving him or her Uh, the limited reasoning skills of a natural brute beast. It says, this is why so many people believe socialism works. Your biological sex is fluid, transgenderism is healthy, and the world is going to end in a decade unless everybody gets an electric car. They no longer care about logic, facts, evidence, or truth. They're fixated on their own feelings, opinions, and passions. That's why the Dear Leader can get up there and say, look, we're uh, we're fighting for truth here. Not absolute truth. Not fixed truth. But, you know, truth that you just know is, is more right. Will worship. This is what happens when you, you don't retain God in your knowledge, as Paul said in Romans 1. This is what happens in an age where truth is cast to the ground or buried. I talked about our experience last week with uh, the Worldwide Church of God, those false ministers that were out there actively, worri- <laughs> actively working to bury the truth that Mr. Armstrong taught. This is from America Under Attack, the uh, prophetic duality appendix. It's toward the end of the book. But it says here, sadly, the tragedy and devastation within God's church is now playing out on a grand scale in America and Britain. Satan's operating from the same playbook. It says, if you want to know how Satan operates, just look at what he did to God's church. The more you know about what happened in spiritual Israel, the church, the better you can understand the crisis in America. That army of demons is still around. They wrecked the church, and now they're wrecking nations. They're wrecking entire nations with their lies, with their false narratives. In uh, the same appendix, it says here, this man, uh, too, it's speaking of an end-time Antiochus. uh, It says here, he will be somewhat in the mold of Adolf Hitler, yet far more subtle and smooth. He's a leader who understands dark sentences and is able to destroy mightily, not by his own power, but by the devil's power. That's talked about in, uh, in Daniel 8. Those of us in God's church, I mean, we know there's there's three Antiochus figures that we've had to confront and expose even. Daniel 8 and verse 23, by the way, my, I don't know if I'll have time, but my father had a program just this past weekend on uh, AI and understanding dark sentences. If you haven't seen that yet, it's a powerful, powerful program. Make sure that you take the time to view that. It's at the Trumpet.com website. But Daniel 8 and verse 23 says, And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, that's where we are today, the king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. We're living in that time when transgressors have come to the full and this king understanding dark sentences. I think we have time. Listen to what my father said over the weekend on the Key of David, clip 12.
0: The expression dark sentences comes from the word Heda, which means riddle, difficult, question, parable. That's from the theological word book of the Old Testament. And this expression could also mean difficult technology. It's puzzling. There's a lot they don't understand about it. And it's capable of being Well, filled with dark sentences. Dark sentences, the Hebrew chaldee lexicon defines it this way. Twisted, involved, subtlety, fraud, enigma. To many today, AI is an enigma. Yes, it is. But this man, this strong man in Europe is going to come on the scene, and he's going to know and understand the, these dark sentences, perhaps better than most. And he's using it for a very evil purpose. Dark sentences.
2: In that program, he's fo- focusing primarily on the Antiochus figure that's to come out from the heart of Europe. But you could, you could say the same thing about Barack Obama the political Antiochus that understands some dark sentences, and you see it, you see how important it is for him to control information. Just in looking at that Stanford speech, and my father mentions there the emergence of artificial intelligence. Obama alluded to this in Stanford as well. Listen to clip seven. And with the emergence of AI, disinformation will
1: grow more sophisticated. I've already seen demonstrations of deep fake technology that show what looks like me on a screen saying stuff I did not say. (laughs) It's a strange experience, people. Without some standards, implications of this technology for our elections, for our legal system, for our democracy, for rules of evidence, For our entire social order are frightening and profound
2: we've got to have some standards and I'm here to establish them I'm here to control the technology to make sure that it's used the right way to to spread a message that you it's not absolute truth or fixed truth but, but a message that you just know you just that I just know is more true Listen again to just that little bit from, uh, from Barack Obama at Stanford, clip 16. How do we adapt that to a new age?
1: It is a chance for all of us to fight for truth. Not absolute truth. Not a fixed truth, but... But to, to, to fight for what, deep down we know, is, is more true is right
2: not absolute truth not fixed truth my truth just believe me in the post-truth world again it says when businessmen journalists politicians and scientists can't get away with the, or rather can get away with such blatant lying it shows that society is on the verge of collapse Just uh, I was going to go a little bit more through Daniel 8. I'm out of time. But uh, it says of this Antiochus figure that he understands dark sentences. And verse 24 says that his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. There's a power. There's a spirit behind him. And he shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper and practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. I mean, he's backed by this powerful demonic force. And look at the just the wave of destruction that it causes. If you'd like to get into that more, it's in, I'm sure, both of our Daniel booklets. Uh, In any event, I'll just have to leave it to you to search through the library at thetrumpet.com. You're listening to Stephen Fleury, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show, the fastest moving hour in broadcasting. We'll see you again tomorrow.